You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
go ahead and have a seat. Take a look at the side screens. We've got a message from our man Jalen here. Yo, my name is Jalen Seawright, and I'm the worship arts director at our Troy campus. So welcome to church. Now, when I say church, I'm not talking church as a noun. Not the place you just show up to once a week, dressed up in your Sunday's best, pretending that you've got all your crap together for an hour. Besides, most people these days are just watching church in their pajamas. So there's no need to get dressed up. We're welcoming you to church as a verb. It's active, it's constant, it flows through us and those around us. When God moves, we move. If you've been here for a long time or you're just checking us out for the first time, please know this. We are a church that is open 24-7. We are here for you and our community each hour of every day. We're connecting online, meeting in small groups, serving together. We're always open. Church as a verb means that real ministry begins after we leave this building or turn off our TVs. What happens on Sunday ignites our hearts to be the church each day of the week. Like this past week, we got to be the church through hosting a special ceremony honoring veterans. And all year long, many teams in our Move Out Network support veterans, like Oakland Hope, which provides free groceries to veterans, and Faith Works, which helps with home repairs and special projects. So from all of us here at Kensington, we thank the veterans in our community and all who have served. I'd like to personally thank Michael McElvey, who is a minister at the church that I grew up in, served in Vietnam, served well. Thank you for loving and serving our country. And so for all of you all watching on stream, why don't you type in the comments, shout someone out, a veteran, that you want to send some love to. So back to the church as a verb. Jesus said, go make disciples out of all nations. Go means go. Loving God and loving our neighbors require us to move into action no matter how far. So over the years, God has led us to develop deep, life-changing relationships with 10 global partners. Kenya, South Sudan, Brazil, Nepal, Israel, Palestine, Afghanistan, India, the Dominican Republic, Cuba, and Egypt. Thank you so much. And we are grateful to Kensington Church for your love and partnership from last 20 years. I would like to thank everyone who is supporting us in this ministry and who are our partners in this ministry. And we are praying for you. Thank you. Hello, Kensington family. My name is Forrest Head. I want to thank you for your continued funding and support throughout Central Asia, especially in the country of Afghanistan. Hey Kensington, thank you so much for your love and generosity to God's people in South Sudan. Your gift to our ministry allowed us to minister to the needs of the people in our communities in a very unique way. Hello Kensington Community Church, this is Allison from Nepal. I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for the COVID-19 relief that you had sent to Nepal. It has impacted a lot of people during this crisis. Thank you. And we've been honored to support them during this difficult time for everyone in the world. We become the church when we see church as more than this building or more than a service that we consume. We become the church when we act as God's hands and feet. So thank you 
for continuing to give to the mission that supports our veterans and people around the globe. All right, so sit back and buckle up for this third week in this series called How to Take a Hit. I know for me, sometimes these sucker punches in life just come out of nowhere. Don't make unnecessary journeys. Don't take risks on treacherous roads. And don't swim in the sea. Incredibly, people have been spotted in the water here in Black Rock and Salt Hill, both today and yesterday. Oh man, that's shocking. <laughs> that was the second time I saw it this morning and it still like made me jump. I think it's fake. It's got to be fake, right? Anyway, welcome to Kensington Church. My name is Greg, um, and welcome to those who are joining us online, and welcome to who are joining us on our central uh, Facebook page. So we have Traverse City watching, we've got Metro Detroit watching, so, um, and we've got people all over um, in the rooms too. So thanks for joining us in person. Um, hey, so that video, it was a little shocking, but that's what you know, life is like sometimes. We're just, we're doing our job, we're doing our best, and then something comes out of nowhere. Um, and that's where we've really been studying, too, in this series, uh, studying the life of Joseph and, and how we can take hits in life, but how we can also take hits and also see God working out of that. So I'm excited about that. And hey, thanks, too, for giving to this place. Thanks for giving generously. Um, we saw in the video how we have global partners all over the world, and we're making impacts locally. And one of the things that is coming up this coming Saturday is our Thanksgiving um, baskets, Thanksgiving baskets event. And so if you haven't participated in that before, we, we fill baskets with items for an awesome Thanksgiving dinner, but also supplies that families in need um, can use and for that kind of extended Thanksgiving break. So locally in Traverse City, we've raised over 75 baskets worth. So awesome. Thanks for donating and being a part of that. Um, we still have a ways to go as an organization just to make that mark for our baskets. So if you want to give, um, the baskets cost about $50 each. So if you want to give toward that, you can go to kensingtonchurch.org slash thanksgiving. And then we also need drivers. It's, it's such a fun event. It's one of my favorite things to serve as a family. Um, and so we, we still need drivers to deliver on Saturday morning. So we've got a great plan here locally. We're, we're going to be meeting in our, in our parking lot, which is a little bit different than previous years. So we'll have everybody meet up at 9 a.m. We'll have Excuse me. We'll have a little bit of a rally out there, get everybody excited, and then everybody will drive their cars, pick up their baskets at the front of the building here, and then head out into the community. So we'd really love for you guys to take part. Again, you can go to kensingtonchurch.org slash Thanksgiving and sign up uh, there as well. So, um, and for those who want to give online too, we've got three ways to give here at Kensington. So it's, you can text the word Kensington to 77977. You can use the app, which is super cool to have, or you can go uh, to the website. If you're in a room, you will also have baskets um, at the doors as you exit. So, well, we've got a great service planned for you. Got more music ahead. So why don't you stand up and we'll get ready to sing together. Thanks for being here. You guys ready to sing? I, I love this next song. I hope you guys love it too. So. And I searched the world, but it couldn't. 
You guys can have a seat. How's everybody doing? That song, that song, man, I mean, that is, that is a core belief of what God does, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I, uh, by the way, my name's Joel, and um, I'm somewhat new here. And uh, listen, I, I have been given a chance to just see... Uh, the Kensington movement as a whole, but this local community and this local campus. And I just want to say, we have an awesome team here. People on Sunday morning, can you guys, yeah. The, the, the team here from early Sunday morning, I mean, just the glimpse that I get on a weekly basis for what this team does, the people on the worship arts team and the production team and the and the guest services, and then we have, we have uh, K-Kids going in the back. I just, I'm so thankful that we are a church that partners together in what God is doing. Graves into gardens. This is what God does. He takes things that are dry and broken and without life, and he instills life into them. And that's what we partner with. And so, um, listen, if you, if, you don't, if you don't serve or you're not serving in some kind of capacity on a Sunday morning uh, I just really want to invite you to do that and have that opportunity to join our team. It's, it's amazing to uh, just be part of a team that is committed to that. And then as we watched in the video earlier, um, like the, what Kensington does as a whole, so again, I'm, I'm fairly new, but what Kensington does as a whole, not just locally, but also on a global scale is, is phenomenal. I mean, I've been part of other churches and I've been brought up in the church, but uh, the scale to which Kensington is able to, to help people in this world is unbelievable. And so um, sometimes I wish we could just have a Sunday and just talk about these stories because there's so much that happens behind the scenes that we honestly uh, partner with, but we can't tell all the stories because there's too many. And so um, this time of year, uh, we start to get toward the year end, and um, so we start telling these stories and so I think it's like four to six weeks we're going to tell stories of things that we partner together um, to see happen. And really, it's, it's Christ's hand on all these things. But uh, I want to show one video this week. So uh, check this out. So as I reflect on the last 30 years, one of my great fears is that people wouldn't respond. People would just, they'd see needs and they would just hang back or they would only think about themselves. And I've actually been shocked over this last 30 years to realize God brought this army of people, people that are part of Kensington, whose lives are so other-centered. 
I mean, it's just amazing to watch people live lives of generosity where they pour themselves out. We've experienced that during this shelter in place, this COVID window where people were asked, what do you need? And most people said, well, I don't really need anything, but could I have something for a neighbor? Could, could, could we care about the neighbor, think, think about the neighbor along the way? And there's been this sense of paying it forward that has just been generated year after year that to me is one of the richest parts of being a part of this community. The Kensington Help Bank is a ministry at Kensington that really exists to respond to uh, people who have needs within our community and our neighbors. So during the pandemic, a lot of people would call in, especially overnight, and leave messages. And it turns out a lot of people, they just want to be heard. They wanted to tell their story. And a lot of people were really afraid. And we would pray with them. It's scary, especially a lot of people that were by themselves because of the lockdown. They might have lived by themselves or they were separated by from their families or they're not working anymore. Like their communities were suddenly non-existent. During the height of the pandemic, as things were amping up and lockdowns were in full force, we started calling people, people that are in our database saying, hey, how you doing? You doing okay? What's, how's your family? And, and just so that we could touch base with them because we weren't seeing them on the weekends. Yeah, and it was kind of crazy. Some of the calls, you didn't know what you were gonna get on the other end. We were really reaching out because we had the opportunity to, um, what we thought was gonna bless people with a gift card. But you get on the phone call with these people and they're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for calling. We're so grateful to hear from you. Um, and then they tell you how they've lost a job or they're working at half pay, but then they tell you that they were fine and they didn't need anything, but they knew somebody who did. My neighbor, my uncle, the woman who lives next door, my son's teacher. And so all of a sudden, that gift card didn't come from Kensington. It came from the person that they were in relationship with. We gave away over $20,000 in gift cards, either for people to have or to share with their neighbor. Um, and if they didn't need the gift card, we were able to pay $50 towards their DTE because in times like this, you need to make sure that your utilities stay intact. Because I think there was this sense of nobody really knew how to help anybody else or quite what to do or if there was anything they could do. So I think to give people that resource that it was in their hands, it was their relationship that they had with this person and maybe they wouldn't have had the means to bless them in and of their own ability, but for us to be able to come alongside and help them be able to bless another family, I think helped some people feel like they were doing something. One of the other efforts that we did is we worked with the care ministries here where our social media platforms invited folks to reach out to us and connect with us. And we paid for a one hour professional Christian counseling session because we know that this is really difficult on people's emotional and mental state. And so we can't fix all of people's financials um, stresses, but if we can help with your mortgage, if we can help keep your utilities on for a month as you get your feet settled back down, we do that. Kensington is a very generous church and we've been able to do that because of the giving that's come to us. So we had a woman up in Traverse City reach out to me and um, through the Help Bank and working with the Traverse City team and then working with me, she applied for financial assistance for Kensington. And we were able to work with her and help her, but I want to read the letter that she sent us because when I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm. So um, this gal from Traverse City wrote, at the beginning of March 2020, I was sick with COVID symptoms for nearly three weeks. In mid-March, Michigan began entering the stay-at-home order for all non-essential workers. 
Simultaneously, I experienced a sewage backup in our basement, spending a few thousand dollars trying to repair the issue. Our septic system had failed. According to our local ordinance, we were mandated to hook to the municipal sewer at our own expense. The initial quote was $40,000. My husband was also furloughed for four weeks during that time, and unemployment was a severely broken system. We had very little income and an overwhelming amount of expenses coming in. Someone from Kensington learned of my situation and mentioned that the church might be able to help. So I reached out to the help bank. I filled out the application for financial assistance and I submitted it and I heard back from Kensington right away. She talked with me and quickly discerned that I was in a panic. She stopped everything and began to pray over me and immediately I felt the peace of God. After a short time, Kensington was able to provide us with immediate assistance to get us through our expenses. Not only was Kensington there for me financially, but they stood in faith for me when my faith was shaken. Thank you, Kensington. And so she realized though that we were gonna be there with her in it. We couldn't fix that $40,000 debt or expense that she was gonna incur, but Greg Ruby, her campus director and folks that she knows at her Traverse City campus, and then us in the Help Bank here, we were with her on that journey. I think a lot of people at Kensington don't realize that we have assistance for people that sit down the row from them when they're in service. We know that we send money all over the world, and we also know that we send money and funds and assistance to our school partners, right, underprivileged. But the thing for folks to know is that Kensington is very generous to the people who sit in our seats. And the value that comes from that, when people give to Kensington and we can give it back to our community, we're filling their tank. So then as we call them, as God calls them to go out into the community and serve, they feel cared for and um, taken care of by their own church. It's one thing to offer someone that sits here who is in our database, but then when you say, well, let, let me send you one for your cousin that you said lost their job. That open hand, we can only do that through the gener generosity of the Kensington community. The reality is, I don't wear the white hat. I'm not the rescuer in all of this, Jesus is. And so once you realize that, we can do this. I don't rescue these people, Jesus does. Pam is absolutely right. Jesus is the one who rescues. The thing that absolutely blows my mind is that God would use his people to do his work. And I'm so grateful for this community. Over two decades, my wife Amy and I have been able to watch all of you step in and step up when there has been a need. Especially this year, 2020, what a year this has been. So much challenge, so much suffering, so much chaos. But as you heard in the video, there have been so many moments where people have seen a need and stepped in. And it's so powerful to watch God move. I've been living in the book of Romans, and particularly Romans 5 over the last week. And it says that when we go through suffering, it actually produces endurance, and that endurance leads to character, and ultimately that character leads to hope. And then it says hope never disappoints. I really do believe that we're a community rooted in Jesus Christ and the hope of Christ. And at this time, in this moment in history, the hope of Christ is what the world needs. And so this year, as we're getting really close to the end of 2020, and believe me, and many of you are like, yes, I'm so happy this year is almost over. I know I feel that too. But as we're moving towards Christmas, I would ask you this. Would you pray and would you consider giving a year-end Christmas gift to Kensington? Because as we give to this mission, we get to go out throughout the whole year and continue to do this work that leads to hope. 
I'm so proud of this community. I'm so grateful for all of you. And just say to you, thank you. Thank you so much. That's, it's amazing to me. It's amazing. I mean, my wife and I, uh, and many, many of you give to Kensington, but as some of, and some of us think about year-end gifts and year-end uh, generosity, um, I just encourage you, as you're thinking about nonprofits, Kensington does so much. And again, I, I'm saying I'm the new guy, but to see this firsthand and to see these stories come out, it's truly fascinating. So, um, listen, we are on week three of how to take a hit. How's it going? You know, I feel guilty was laughing at people. I heard you laugh at the person that got hit by the stop sign. I was like, man, are they, we have some unspiritual people in this room laughing at someone else's turmoil. It's not the intention of this series. Let's not laugh at each other. I, uh, no, but it's, it's funny. Um, and I, I, I like to think, like Greg said, I think it's fake. It makes me feel better about myself, like when I laugh. Um, yeah, three weeks ago, we started with this story of, of Joseph in the Bible. And we looked at, here's a 17-year-old kid, and things are not going well. And he took hit after hit after hit. And, and you know, we're talking about the hits of 2020, but he took 20 years of hits, one after the next. And the thing that's amazing about Joseph is he believed in a big God, and he believed that God was continually at work in whatever circumstances he found himself in, he believed that there was something bigger taking place, that God's hand was kind of guiding him through his circumstance. And, um, and then after this, this entire period, he looked at the people that hurt him the most. He looked at his brothers, and he said, you planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people just as he's doing today. This is the perspective that Joseph had after 20 years of things going wrong. He has this perspective of like, you intended to hurt me, but I've seen God's hand woven through this whole thing, orchestrating all of it. And so although you, hurt, you intended to hurt me, God has intended to bring something good from it to save not just, not just me, not just Joseph, but tons of other people. Uh, so last week we talked about what it's like to be stripped. Joseph was stripped. He was thrown in a pit and he was without water. And we talked about how this was um, equivalent to an identity crisis, a relationship crisis, a health crisis. Like all these things happen at one time. And some of us have uh, gone through some things, um, identity, relational, health. And so we kind of followed uh, Joseph's journey there. But week one, when we got into this series, we, we looked at uh, the first hit that Joseph took when he was 17 years old. And we kind of noticed something. We noticed he kind of caused, he, he caused, he kind of brought this on himself. You remember this? Like he brought, he was, he had a dream. God gave him a dream and he was flaunting his dream to his brothers and he was, he was kind of contributing to their anger and I'm not justifying what they did, but Joseph kind of contributed, contributed to it. And so we looked at like, hey, if we're, if we're gonna do a series called How to Take a Hit, let's just make sure that the fist that's punching us in the face isn't our fist, right? But what happens What happens when it's not our fault? 
This is what we're going to get into today. What, what happens when we're doing the right thing? When we're following Christ, when we're, we're, we're aligning our lives with God, what happens when we're doing this? But then things go wrong anyway, and we didn't contribute to it. It just, it just hits us out of the blue, out of left field. It's a sucker punch. It's a stop sign. And so I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into this story um, today. We're going to kind of walk through the story of Genesis uh, 39. So um, pray with me. Lord, we ask that... Um, Lord, I feel like this series kind of has been heavy. We're talking about hits. We're talking about hardship. We're talking about things that we're going through uh, this year. And uh, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would minister to us, that you would comfort us, that you would guide us. And ultimately, Lord, you would help us see a bigger picture in all of the, uh, all of the things that we're going through. So uh, be here, be in this room, help us to be aware of your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we jump in, Genesis 39, remember? So Joseph was the favorite kid. He was the rat, tattletale. He's having these dreams. His brother, brother sell him into slavery. And this is where we pick up in the story. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So remember the Ishmaelites, and then there was Israel and his family, and they kind of came from the same family, but, but there was a family feud, and God was using the enemy to save Joseph from the pit, from being killed by his brothers. So it's this fascinating story. Um, and then, so then it says, the Lord was with Joseph. This is really important. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph so he so he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Now, this is a problematic verse because Joseph is a slave. He was just sold into slavery, but it says that the Lord was with him. He's sold into slavery, and the Lord is with him. And, and so many of us don't think like this. We think that if God is with us, Everything's going to go smooth. Everything's going to be fine. God's taking care of us. He's paving the way. We have to have an understanding. So before we get into this story, we have to have an understanding of God that doesn't just make sense of him, only make sense of him when, when life is good. This is, a, this is a really common misbelief about God, and we call it like modern Christianity or feel-good Christianity, uh, where it's like, hey, listen, if I just give my life to the Lord, if I just have faith, if I just align my life with what he wants me to do, then things are going to work out for me. We, uh, you might have heard the, the term prosperity gospel. It's this idea that if I just align myself with God, I'm going to experience flourishing and blessing and success, and everything's going to go well, and all the graphs are going to go up and to the right. But that's not how life works, and that's not how this story goes. What biblical Christianity looks at, not modern or feel-good Christianity, biblical Christianity says that if you do what God says, if you follow Jesus in the way you live your life and you align yourself with his mission and his purpose, if you, if you do all this, it still might go wrong. It still might go bad. If you love people with the love that Jesus has shown you, odds are, Jesus said, in this world you will face hardship. 
odds are things might still go wrong. And this is important because we're setting up this idea of sucker punch when something comes out of left field and hits you in the face. And here's a bigger, bigger and more powerful belief. When you follow Jesus, life isn't going to be flawless. Life won't be fair, and I believe this with all my heart, and I know many of you in this room have experienced this. Life won't be fair, but God will be faithful. So Joseph has this dream. He has this vision. He's 17 years old, and he's like, he's like on this path, like I, God has given me this dream, this vision. I know what my future is, and I see this unfolding. My family's going to bow down to me. But we find out in this story of Joseph that life isn't fair. So this is, the story picks up, and it says... When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, so Potiphar's seeing this, like, man, he's successful in everything he did. Now, the story doesn't stop there, but he's successful in everything that he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar, noticing this, he, he, he put Joseph in charge of his entire household and entrusted to his care everything that he owned. So here you have this slave, and he's flourishing. Everything he does seems to be like just working, flourishing. And so Potiphar entrusts his entire estate to Joseph's leadership. And we see here God is at work. God is with Joseph. Again, this sets up, I mean, it's like time and time again in this story, God is with Joseph. God is with Joseph. God is with Joseph. And, and you kind of, if you were to write this story, you're like, hey, like this should happen to Joseph. Joseph's a man of God. Things need to go well. Poor kid was, was severed from his family. He was sold into slavery. Like we need a, a story where he's going up into the right. Things are getting better. And everything's going well. And God's blessing the situation. And God isn't just blessing Joseph. God is using and working through Joseph to bring flourishing and prosperity to the Egyptian master that he had. So the story keeps going. It says, this is where things get a little interesting. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything that he had into Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything but the food that he ate. I mean, how hands-off does Potiphar need to be? He's like, Joseph's just doing his thing. You know, like when, when Joseph was 17 years old, God gave him dreams, and he didn't know how to properly steward his dreams. Remember? Like he's flaunting his dreams. He didn't know how to steward dreams that he had. Now he's at a place in life where God is allowing him to steward this Egyptian official's estate. But the story goes on right here because it says, man, yeah, he, he's in charge of everything, but it says now Joseph was well-built and handsome. That's an odd turn to the story. What is this writer trying to do? Like, and then it goes, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Well, this just got weird. This is like Potiphar's wife's like, hmm. It's like 50 shades of, no, no, no. I, I, I didn't watch it, didn't read it. I, I don't even believe in that sort of thing. But like this story gets dicey. Here's this young stud. He's like doing his thing. Everything that he's, he's, he puts his hand to is successful. And things are just like unraveling. And she's like watching on the sidelines, taking notice. Her husband's gone. She's lonely. 
Who's this guy? So she starts to take notice. The Lord's blessing everything that Potiphar has. Like maybe she's realizing like he's the source of the blessing. Like we got some extra money this month. We could get a car. We could go on a vacation, maybe go on a cruise. Like, but it's all coming from Joseph. So she starts getting an eye for Joseph. And again, maybe 17-year-old Joseph, maybe he would have jumped at the opportunity. Like a cougar coming at him. And maybe, maybe, maybe 17-year-old Joseph would have been like, okay. I'm sorry. I know it's awkward in here. This is weird sometimes. Like, we all think, like, this is just ni- like nice little rated G story. No, no, no. There's some weird stuff in here. It's like some of you are, like, squirming in your seats. Like, I want to run, but I can't. <laughs> But this isn't 17-year-old Joseph anymore. Not today, not now. Joseph was 17, but he's learned some lessons and he's matured a little bit and he's got to a place in his life where he's grown up and he starts stewarding his opportunities in more godly ways. So this is where the story picks up. He says he refused says, with me in charge, he told her, my master doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a w- wicked thing and sin against God? You know, it's, it's interesting. Like, he doesn't say sin against Joseph. Notice where his mentality is. It's not about sinning. It's not about, about, about doing something wrong to his boss. He's concerned about singing, sinning against God. Just sidebar. It's just an interesting, interesting thing. And though she spoke to Joseph, now this wasn't one time. Every day she's like, hey. <laughs> Every day. Every day, Joseph comes to work. He's coming to take care of Potiphar's stuff. And there's his wife. Come on. Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. And it says, it says that one day he went into the house. Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties. And none of the household servants were inside. So they're alone. And she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called in her servants and, and she said, Look, this Hebrew has, brought, he has been brought to us to make a sport out of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When, I, when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran away. She kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. And then she told him this story. The Hebrew slave that you brought us came to me and to make a sport out of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. When the master heard the story, that his wife told him, this is how your slaves treated me, he burned with anger. He trusted, he believed his wife. Joseph's master took 
Joseph. Potiphar took Joseph and threw him in prison. And it's interesting, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, this is where Pharaoh would have put his prisoners and confined. So here is this story. Poor guy. I can't catch a break. He's torn away from his family. He's sold into slavery. Finally, the story is unraveling. God is with Joseph. And you think things are going to go well and out of left field. He's sucker punched, falsely accused. He was the one maintaining his character, maintaining his uh, integrity. He's doing the right thing, but it didn't matter. Like his family betrayed him. He sold into slavery, works his way up. Now the boss's wife betrays him. And he's falsely accused. He's thrown in jail. He's unfairly treated again, right? And I wonder how many of us could share a story or a time where it's like, man, we were doing the right thing. We swear. We were doing the right thing. But it didn't matter. Something hit us out of left field. We got sucker punched and we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. Something happened and it's hard and it's heavy and it's not fair. I think I I go back in in, in our family's journey. I I don't know what your story is. I don't know what sucker punch you've experienced and, and, and what hit you've taken. But Kelly and I went through this long process before moving to Traverse City, really trying to discern God's will. Lord, we want to do what you're calling us to do. We had the mentality, if the door opens, we'll walk through it. If it closes, we'll be content with where God wants us to be in our life. And so we were going through this process, and we were praying. We're praying, like, do we leave the ministry that we're in and go where God is leading us? We felt a stirring, and again, this was years And finally, like we never, we had never been on the same page in our marriage like we were at this moment. And so as the story goes out, I send out one email instead of this batch of 50 emails. And and it was to Kensington. I wanted to be part of what Kensington was doing. And so all of a sudden, God is opening doors and we think. Like we, we fully believe we are following what God, the path that God laid before us. We're doing everything. We're prayerful. We're doing everything right. And COVID happened. And so I couldn't meet so many of you. And so I got on the phone and I got a list of names and I'm, I'm calling. And every day I'm making calls and I just want to introduce myself. How do you introduce yourself to a church that you can't see because of COVID? So weird. It's April 8th. It's my birthday. I did some calls in the morning. I can't even remember who I talked to. That evening, I fired up the charcoal grill. Some of you know the story. It's still I don't mean to be dramatic, but it's traumatic. I fired up the charcoal grill. We're out on the patio. We're having some birthday steaks. The charcoal is at its hottest. And Jude, lose, my 10-year-old, loses control of his hoverboard, runs into the charcoal grill. The whole grill spills out all the hot charcoal on his face and his arm. Third-degree burns on his face, shoulder, and arm. Skin grafts. We rush him to the hospital. It was the most horrific thing. You talk about, you talk about a sucker punch. It was no one's fault. It was a freak accident. 
And here I'm a father, and I'm like, man, we're trying to align our life with what God is calling us to do. He's put this path before us. We're trying to walk it. And my poor little boy is in severe pain, sitting in a hospital room just wondering, like, how could this happen? I've never felt that kind of pain before. Talk about Jude's pain. Talk about the pain of a father seeing his son go through that. I've never, that was the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced in my life. Maybe you have something that's traumatic, a sucker punch that you've gone through. You didn't do anything. You thought you were doing the right thing, actually, and something happened. It was an accident. Something happened. You got some news, a call, something outside of your control. It happened to you, and it was devastating. And Joseph's probably wondering, like, what? The Lord is with me. Everything that I was doing, although he was a slave, everything that he was doing was above board. And now this thing happens, and now he's in in jail, in prison. Genesis 39.20 says, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. This theme, this theme, the Lord was... The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, it's a parallel story. Look at this. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. You notice? This happens two times. First time, he's a slave. Potiphar recognizes the Lord is with Joseph. There's flourishing. Potiphar entrusts everything. Then all this stuff happens. It's false accusation. And now, now Joseph isn't, he's not a slave. He's a prisoner. The warden, like Potiphar, the warden sees that the Lord is with Joseph. There's favor, and so he entrusts, he gives Joseph all this responsibility again. Listen, there's something about this story that we need to get, and I believe this wholeheartedly. I, I give my life toward this. And it hits, it, it hits close to home right now because of the, the sucker punches that our family, that we've experienced. And I want to say this in three different ways because I believe it with all my heart. Sometimes in life we get, we get hit, we get sucker punched, and it's crippling. It's crippling. You know, it said that Joseph was confined. It's crippling. And when God is teaching us to heal, or God, God is healing us and teaching us to walk, most of the time it's not just for us. He wants to work and bring healing through us. See, as, as we're crippled and God is bringing healing and teaching us to walk, he's also wanting to work in the lives of the people around us so that, so that we can bring healing and help others who are crippled. We can help them how to walk too. The second way to describe this 
is that also, although sometimes we feel confined, it's in those places that God wants to commission us. Do you notice that God doesn't deliver Joseph from slavery? And then he, he, he actually flourishes in this place where he is. Like, and then he goes and becomes a prisoner. And God, God's spirit, God's presence doesn't get him out of prison. It makes him flourish in the place that he has him. The places in life that we feel confined, these are places where God can commission us to do his work and his will. He can, he can bring so much good out of our circumstance if we just see it as a commissioning rather than a confinement. God has this incredible way of taking the impacts that we experience and impacting the people around us. Uh, driving, driving to school, driving to football practice with Jude, we'll be in the car and I'm, maybe I'm being too transparent, but Jude's asking questions. Why didn't God protect me? He's 10. And we would drive to football practice and we'd have these conversations and just, I say this as a father, Jude, God has a plan for your life. God can use this. He didn't cause it, but he can use this and he's gonna use your life to speak to people, to help other people in the future. God is gonna use you so mightily. You just gotta trust. Like we have these real raw conversations. And I believe that for every single one of us, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we've been through, God can use he doesn't always, he doesn't cause these things. He doesn't cause hurt or pain. We live in a sinful, broken, dysfunctional world, but God can bring order out of the chaos. Again, I believe this, and I, and I'm, I am giving my life to this. God doesn't just use the shiny sides of ourselves that we show to everyone else around us, like the facade. God often uses the brokenness. Right now, there's a, there's a team of 12 people from Traverse City, from our campus, who is going through something called live training. And this past week, I hopped on a Zoom call with them. And the whole point of the, of the evening, I don't know if it was two, two and a half hours, I don't know what it was, but the whole point of the evening was helping them tell the story of pain and hurt and how God can use that in their lives. This is where God works the most. You wanna, you wanna look at how God can use your life. Don't, look at, don't always look at your giftings and your talents and your, your awesomeness. Look at your weakness because when we are weak, he is. And I believe that for my son. I believe that for our church. I believe that with my life. And Joseph was in prison and God was there kind of like opposite realities, but God was working behind the scenes. He was at work in this bigger, greater way. As we align our lives with the purposes of God, when things happen to us, he works for us. 
He works for us. We sang this song, He is for you. We're going to sing this song in a little bit. He is for you. He is for you. I believe this with all my heart. He is for us, but not only for us, He wants to work through us. Some of us have, you know, you think of the sucker punches and you think of the hits that we've experienced. And for some of us, it's things like infertility. And maybe God wants to use this pain to help form a support group, to help others who are struggling with the same thing. Maybe you've lost a loved one and the grief is crippling and you don't know how to move forward and maybe, maybe God is wanting eventually in time as healing comes, God wants to commission you to provide support and help others through the grief that they experience. Maybe it's a failed marriage or a struggling marriage and God is wanting you to learn from this and grow from this so that you can help pour into younger couples so that they can avoid the pitfalls that you once fell into. Maybe you have a family member or maybe you yourself, you're struggling with an addiction and, and, and maybe it's crippling and, and, and God is working in your life to bring healing right now and maybe God wants to get you to a place to truly, truly understand what addiction is so you can understand the battle that so many of us are going through behind the scenes. Maybe it's financial hardships. You made some bad decisions, you have some bad habits, and you need to heal from this and grow from it, but God can use that to help others. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your, your hurt, your pain is. I, I just, I know this. I know that whatever, I know whatever you're facing, God can use it. And I know that wherever you are, whether you're, you feel like a slave or whether you feel like a prisoner, God is with you. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. Maybe you just need to hear that he is with you. Yeah, but I don't like where I am right now. I just wish I'm sick of where I am right now. I, you can't understand. You can't understand my situation. I don't like to be here. I don't want to be here. Don't tell me this. Joseph probably couldn't see how God was working in his situation when he was in his situation. But I know that he acknowledged that the Lord is with him. So many times I stand up here and I just wonder how many of us are taking a hit right now. We're going to sing a song in a little bit. And the song is the blessing. And it's this prayer over the church. It's going to be this prayer over us. And it's, this, it's one of my favorite songs. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's just this longing for God's blessing and his favor to be upon you for generation after generation after generation, despite the hurt, despite the anguish, despite the pain that we might feel right now in, in the circumstance that we're going through. God wants to bless but before we stand to sing this song, I want you to stand first. 
if you've taken a hit recently. You don't have to be specific. I just want you to stand up. Stand up if you have taken a hit. story after story after story, layer after layer. I want you to stand up if you know somebody that took a hit recently. Some of us are experiencing the sucker punch right now. Out of left field, out of the blue. Or we know people that are. And I want to sing this song. And if you know this song, sing it and sing it loud. And if you don't know it, let it be sung over you. Let it be sung, just flood over your heart. Lord, Lord, we come to you on this Sunday morning and we just, Lord, we look to you. We believe that your spirit is present with us. Lord, we know that you don't always deliver us from slavery. You don't always deliver us from the prisons that we face. But we know that you are with us and you know that you want us, you want to bring flourishing in the midst of where we are. Lord, we pray that over our church this morning. Lord, there's pain in this room. And we're aware, well aware of the pain outside of this room. And so we, we ask for your blessing to just flood over us this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. shine
May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, and your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you, he is for you, he is for you. Keep it going. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. For my God would never fail. Come on, sing that again. Oh, my God will never fail And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs 
That's a way to end a day right there. Dang. Listen, I, I, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're inspired, but more so, I, I hope you have a renewed sense that God's present with you in the midst of the hit, sucker punch, whatever it is, that God is with you. And that's my prayer for all of us as we move into this week. Uh, if, if you want someone to pray with you just to help you process through something that you're experiencing, our prayer team will be down here up front. They would love, they would be blessed by praying with you and talking with you. Uh, if you're watching online, thanks again for joining us. Uh, stay tuned. There's a Zoom call right after this with Craig Lang just to talk. Um, for everyone else here, have a great week and uh, take care. Love you guys. See you. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.